0: Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at encounterchurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter or Periscope. Just search echurch VR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Right now in the name of Jesus, we just open up our hearts. God, this is a new season, this is a new opportunity. And God, we just pray that, God, we would not waste this, but we would seize every moment. And today, God, we ask you to speak into our lives in such a powerful way. We've heard messages before, God, we've read scripture before, but we pray today would be different. That it would hit home like never before and register and change our lives like never before. God, we love you, we praise you, we adore you in Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. Come on, high five two people around you and say, pray first, pray first, pray first. You know, as I write the words on the top of my message to wish you all a happy new year, that word new just really jumped out at me, new year. Because the suggestion it makes available to every one of us is we have an opportunity for something fresh. We have the opportunity for something new that we've never had before and what an opportunity that we stand at today not just for more of the same I don't want more of the same of 2018 my breakthroughs and miracles were great in 2018 but they're past now and I'm believing for God to do greater things I'm believing for a breath of fresh air just to come into my life and into every you know this is an opportunity for change And that's where we're at today, presenting an opportunity for God, not just to change our circumstances, as important as that is, but to change us in our circumstances. Because when God changes us, our circumstances automatically change. And God, I believe, wants to grow us and God wants to develop our lives. And that's really what I want to talk about for the next few weeks. I want to talk about developing, growing Building your life upon habits of success. On, yeah. Creating habits of success in your life that are going to promote your life, that are going to bless your life. We, we, we talk a lot about resolutions this time of the year. You know, I want to make a resolution. I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to go to the gym 25 times a day. <laughs> That's what we do. We like kill ourselves. We try and get in shape on the first day. You know, And that's our goal, to get in shape. But remember, round is a shape too. Just saying, just saying. But but we, we have all these resolutions and we have all these goals. But you know what we've challenged you is, resolutions are okay, but principles are vital. Because principles are truths that you lay. They are stones, they are rocks, they are foundations that you set down, that you can build upon. Because a resolution usually looks like this. Start strong. And ends real quick. But a principle, come on, it starts low, but it builds up. And God wants to do greater things, not less things in your life. And here's why it's important to develop the right principles and the right habits. Look at this. We are what we repeatedly do. Whether we like that or not, that's the fact. That's the truth. Another way you can say it is this. We form our habits And then our habits begin to form us. Let me break that down for you. If you're not getting the picture, if you want to be lazy and you want to procrastinate, you're going to become a lazy, procrastinating person. You're going to be lazy doing nothing. That's the life that you're going to have. If you determine that every day I'm going to get up with joy in my heart and I'm going to put a smile on my face, you're going to be a happier person and you're going to be someone. Why? Because the habits, the decisions you make determine the life. They paint, they build, they form the life that you live. You know, I heard Pastor Chris Hodges say these words. He says, most of us have uphill Habits, or uphill hopes and downhill habits. Just let that sink in for a minute. Hopes that are on the rise, but habits that are on the decrease. Oh, it's important for us to have hope because if we don't have hope, we're hopeless. So so we've got to have hope in our lives, but hope has to grow hands and feet, it has to become action. In our lives, too many of you sitting here under the sound of my voice watching on Facebook. Too many of you today are still sitting with the hopes of, with the dreams of God doing something in your life. And you haven't stepped into the reality of those things yet. And why is that? Because you're just hoping for it, but you're not acting upon that. And you're not moving into everything that God has. You see, you've got to be intentional. You gotta be, I, I just wanna challenge you. Every year I have a word for my life. I've actually got two words this year for my life. You wanna know what my words are for this year? Are you ready? Slow down. Slow down. You can say what? Well, if you don't know me, I'm like 150 miles an hour wherever I go. My, my wife gets on at me because we can go out on a date night and she's like, man, we're in no hurry. Why are you like driving 90 miles an hour? What's the deal? I'm not driving 90 miles an hour, 89. But that's my life. And you know, God has challenged me this year, and I'll say it to every one of you, because you can hold me accountable. God's told me, slow down, slow down. Two years ago, my word was intentional. And I'm telling you, that's a powerful word for you. to. If you're looking for a word, intentional is a great word to take into the year. Because intentional means what? I'm not just going to plan it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through. Here's, here's how we plan stuff. We turn around and say, man, we've got to get together for lunch sometime. But being intentional, say, can you meet me on Wednesday at 12 o'clock? There's a difference. Because we can say things and never get to it. But when we're intentional, we set the course. We begin to do those things. Come on, say with me, New Year. New year. Come on, make it personal. My new, year. My new Year. And everything in life worthwhile is uphill. Meaning it's going to require effort and involvement from you. And this is your future we're talking about. And I think that's worth every bit of effort that you can put into it. So we're going to look at how can I build habits of success in my life. And if we're going to do that, we've got to start by laying the foundation. So here's the introduction of my message today. I'm going to give you three key truths that we've got to embrace in order to develop habits of success. Is that okay? So here's the first one. We've got to have hope for our future. You've got to have hope for your future. You've got to have hope that change will come. Hope is the starting point. You can't win a race if you don't line up at the starting point. And many people don't even bother showing up at the race because they're like, I'm going to lose anyway. We've got to have hope in our life. We've got to put our foot to that line and we've got to be ready. I was playing Mario Kart with Judah yesterday on his little switch thing. And I found out that you can be spinning the wheels before it even says go. You can be ready. And that was a picture of me. I want to be spinning those wheels and I want to be ready and I want to be ready. So when it goes, man, I'm like, boom, I've got that. So you've got to have hope. Hold on, pastor. You've got to slow down. But listen. You've got to believe again that God can change you. You, You've got to believe again that God can fix your marriage. You've got to believe again that God can save your kids. You've got to believe again that addiction is the thing of your past and that's where it's staying. You've got to have hope for your future. You see, you can put all the habits you want in place. But if you don't have hope that things are going to change, it's never Going to happen. I love how David tells it, and this was one of our scriptures that Kelly and I have had through the seasons of our life. And it's Psalms 27, verse 13. David says, I would have lost heart, I would have lost hope unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen to it from the New Living Translation. It says, Yet I am confident. I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here on the land of the living. Do you ever feel like you're almost losing hope? Do you almost feel like it's over? Come on, hope again, believe again. Don't lose hope because you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You've got to hold on to hope for you. You've got to throw out the cannots because that's where we. Oh, I cannot do that. Oh, oh I, I can't be that. I can't change. My marriage can never... Come on, you've got to throw out the can-nots because here's what you've got to understand. Are you ready? God says you can. Yeah. Hope today says you can. But what do you say? God says it. Hope says it. But what do you say? And it's not only perhaps even what you say, but what do you type? What do you post? What are you saying? Because you're still saying it through another medium, but you're still saying it. It's like words that are leaving your mouth. There's a story in the Bible of Jesus who talks to a woman at the well. You can read the story in John chapter 4. It's a powerful story. There's so many things that shouldn't have happened or caused that to happen. She shouldn't have been there at that time. Jesus was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. She was a woman. She shouldn't have had interaction. They shouldn't have talked. There were so many things set up for that event not to happen. But Jesus was ready to touch a life. Jesus, and there's been so many events in your life that have been set up that caused you not to be saved, but it happened. Come on, the enemy's tried everything he can to cause you not having an encounter with God. And maybe you haven't had one. Today you're going to. And gospel, the gospel message. And and so he's getting through and he's there and he's, he's, he's with her. And I love it because it goes on to say these words. You know, Jesus says to her, go and get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, ding, 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 ding. Right. Jesus said, you had four husbands, and the fifth one you're living with now, you're shacking up with someone you ain't even married to. She's like, what? But notice this, please. Jesus knew everything about her, but yet still was offering her living water. She couldn't grasp it like many times we can't. And Jesus said to her these words, John 4.10 from the Message Bible. Jesus answered and said, if you only knew the generosity of God. And if you only knew who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. If you only knew. Man, that jumps out at me right there. If I can just know, if I can just have hope again. If I can just see the generosity of God. If I can just see that He's for me and not against me. If I can see that He loves me and He cares for me and He wants me. If I can just see who He is. There's hope for my life. There's hope for me to trust in Him. I'm so thankful for that but God moment. Anyone had a but God moment? That's your testimony, by the way, that you were lost and you were in sin, but God came. And God changed your life and transformed your life. Now, what happens as a result of that but God moment? Your testimony is hope for you, but your testimony is also hope for other people. And that's why we got to work on it. I believe this. we got to work on our testimony because we need to have a testimony for every occasion. Uh, people start talking about donuts. Man, you know what? I love donuts. But you know what? I love more Jesus because Jesus changed my life. And he's absolutely, wow, man, I enjoyed the, the mall the other day. Yeah, I like going to the mall. But man, it kind of gets too commercialized. And we forget what the real meaning of Jesus is. And, and Jesus is the, I'm playing. don't be super spiritual. But you've got to have a test to me for every moment. The Bible says you've got to be prepared and ready to give an account of your life and a testimony to those around. Why is that? Because you may be the only Bible That they read. So if you have no hope, there's no hope for them. Your but God story can change those around you. Why? Because those around you knew you. Come on, your parents knew you. Your neighbors like they're crazy. They know you. Your people at work are like, stay away from them. They know you. So what happens as a result of God changing your life, you bring hope to other people because people say if God can change them. There's hope for me. God can change me too. Come on, I think we should just have a praise break for a second. Is that cool? Has anyone been changed by God in the house? Come on, anyone been changed by God? A but God moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a reason to have hope. I love this scripture, Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. God says, for I know the plans I have for you. The King James Version says it this way, I know the thoughts I think towards you. I think that's really powerful because it shows God's thoughts are intentional. It means God's thoughts are followed up with action because His thoughts are a plan for your life. God says, I know the plan I have for your life. What are they? They are plans for good. They are not for disaster. They are to give you a future and a you got to have hope. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, so you got to have hope. Come on, hope, 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 hope. That was God's promise, listen to me, while they were in slavery. They were in slavery and bondage and God says, I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan for your life. This is just the introduction of the message, by the way. I just wanted to know that. Point number two, you've got to be ready to repent from your past. If you're going to move on and you're going to develop the right habits, you've got to let go of the wrong habits. You can't just cancel them out. If I'm going to do good, then I can do bad. That's not how it works. So we've got to repent from our past. That's something we often don't like to do and many times don't see the need to do. Oh, everyone else needs to repent, but we're like Mary Poppins. We're perfect in every way. And that's how we look at our lives many times. I like this definition of repentance. Look at this. Repentance is letting God work with you. Think about that. Repentance is saying, God, I surrender my life. It's opening up your life. It's coming clean with God. So what God can then do is God can then work with you. He can work in you. And He can change your life. And that's what we need to do in our lives. Because repentance is this. We make it real complicated, but repentance is really this. I'm going this way, and I turn around and go in the opposite direction. That's what repentance is, a change in direction, going the opposite way. You know, I, I heard this, and I thought, what a great illustration. Our life can be summed up in five chapters. Chapter one, I went for a walk one day down a dark path, and I fell into a big, dark hole. And it took me a long time To get out. Chapter 2. I went for a walk one day. Down a dark path. And I fell back into the same hole. And it took me longer this time to get out. Chapter 3. I walked down a path one day. And I saw the big dark hole. So I moved over to look at it. And I got too close. And I (laughs) fell into the hole. It took me a long way and long time to get out, but I got out. Chapter four of my life, I was walking down a path one day and I saw the hole and I walked around the hole. Chapter five, I went down a different street. That can be the picture of our life many times. We, we can realize we're on chapter one and some of us are at two and three and four. Man, we need to be at five. We don't need to be fooling there anymore and, and thinking we need to be on a different path, on a different street because that's what repentance wants to do in our life. And here's our scripture that I really believe God gave us as a church for this year, Philippians 3.13. And it says this, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Paul says, I haven't arrived. I haven't made it. But this one thing... I do. I forget. Come on, say with me, let go. I let go of those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Paul says, I'm not there yet, but here's what I've got to make sure and do. I've got to keep short accounts in my life. I've got to make sure that I'm not dragging those sins and those things in my life that don't belong in my future. So what must I do? Repent, let go of those things. Surrender those things so I can grab a hold of and reach for everything that God has for me. Come on, this year can be a different pathway for your life. It can be a different journey. It can be a different destination because that's what God has. But you've got to let God get involved in your life. And how did you do that? By repenting and surrendering and giving your life. Here's the third one. Are you ready? You've got to begin to form uphill habits. Yeah, so, I've got to have hope, I've got to repent, and I've got to replace. Yeah. I've got to form uphill habits, which are not always easy, no. but necessary. It's not easy to get in shape, nope. <laughs> it's not easy to get out of debt. It's not, not easy to, to make a relationship work that's been. De- These things aren't easy. But the pathway of least resistance is going to get you the least results. And sometimes it's the effort, it's the strain, it's the push, it's the fight, it's the resistance that does what? That causes growth and development in your life. And you've got to start to form the uphill habits. Look what Romans 12 verse 2 says. Instead, it says, fix your attention on God. Because you'll be changed from the inside out. And you will readily recognize what he wants from you and you will quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, it's always dragging you down to its level of immaturity where God desires to bring out the best of you, to develop you, to be a well-formed and mature in you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. So what do we see? The keys in there. The habits, the things, we need to realize first, we've got to be changed from the inside out. It's only a God thing that can do that. What else? We've got to recognize what He's doing and what we need to do as a result. We need to be intentional. And then we need to allow God to bring out the best in you, to mature you. That's relationship. So what we've got to do, we've got to have a God thing and be intentional and live in relationship. And when we do that, uphill habits, the right thing, we'll develop habits of maturity. The right things. So here's the first one. Week one, here's the message. Are you ready? First habit that we're going to focus on, and every week we're going to do another one this month. The habit one is this. You've got to focus on what I do first. What I do first. First. Because what you do first is very important. It can really show a lot about you, what you do first. It can tell a lot about your life, what you do first. It could also be called the principle of priority, what I do first. And that's why we're really going into this new year with the thought, pray first. Pray first, the importance during the next 21 days, we're going to be kicking off in a fast and I'm going to talk about that later as we begin tomorrow but it's the priority of first, what I do first. How do I get my first right in my life? How do I get it right? Step number one, are you ready? you got to put God first. You got, got to put God, this is a practical message, but it's going to change your life today. You have got to put God first, which incidentally, and I wish to had more time to present this to you, incidentally is the only place He can be in your life. We we want to fit God wherever and, and put things. The reality is the only place he'll occupy in your life is first place. And that's where he wants to be, because we serve a jealous God. He doesn't want to share us with anything. So we gotta put God first in our lives. And he models what he expects from us. John 3:16. For God so loved the world. This is how God loved the world, it says. He gave His one and only Son. Say with me, first. He gave Him first. We were still in sin. We were still messing up. God gave His Son first. Come on, He gave Him for us first as a sacrifice, as an offering for each and every one of us. So what? He could come to this earth. He could die. He could be the sacrifice that now everyone could believe in Him and not perish but have everlasting life. He gave the best He could give His Son first so you and I could have forgiveness and the opportunity to truly live life. So what is Christianity? One of the greatest definitions I've heard is this. Look at this. Christianity isn't coming to church and paying your tithes. It's putting God in His proper place in your life. It's what being a Christian is. God first. God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all this will be added. We wonder why things have been subtracted and divided from our life. It's because God is not first. God is not in His place. And what's first affects everything that's underneath. If it's not right at the top, everything else underneath is going to have problems and going to have issues. Christians are good at saying things. If you've come to church for long enough, you know the right things to say at the right time. Amen. God bless. Yeah, praise God. That's, that, preach. Yeah, yeah. How's that amen going out the doors? Huh? God first, amen. Well, what about everything else? That's, it's like you leave God at church and pick him up next Sunday. A lot of us live like that. We say it, but very very few truly live it. Think about how God's word begins. Genesis 1, verse 1. The first four words says this. In the beginning, God. Think about how your life would look if that was your mantra. In the beginning, God. Before I speak to my spouse, God. Before I go into the meeting, God. Before I wake up, God. Before I reply to that email, God, are you getting the picture? I wonder how different our lives would be and the outcome would be if God was truly first in our life. When God gave the children of Israel ten commandments and He never intended to rule over us, He tended to be in relationship with us but because of sin there was a separation and now God had to give them a code to live by a code that He knew they could not uphold so it made way for Christ to come and He was the answer and He was the one that fulfilled all of these things. But in the ten commandments, what was the first commandment He gave them? Exodus 20, 1-3 and God spoke all of these words saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Oh, that's the old law. (laughs) Principles never change. That's a principle of truth that still needs to be a part of your every. No other gods before me. God's there is speaking about our passions, our loves and our desires. God doesn't mind if you have them. He just minds when they're first. You can love things. I love sports. I, I, I love watching sports. Upset last night that the Cowboys won. Just throwing it out there. If you, like, if you like the Cowboys, we're praying for you this year. huh? But I love sports. But sports doesn't have me. Uh, Jesus does. When I'm in a sports environment, man, I'll shout and I'll hoop and I'll holler and I'll, I'll high five and I'll jump. And I don't mind doing that because I'm not going to let that outdo what I do on a Sunday. Because I know I'm going to praise God the whole more because he's worthy of more than that. So God doesn't mind that we have these passions, loves and desires, but he minds when they become before him. So put God first. Here's the next start step. You've got to give God the first of everything. Giving God the first of everything. Now this isn't just a tithe thing. We're not just going to talk about money here. That's part of it. But I believe everything means everything. My time, my energies, my devotions, my affections, my thoughts, my finances. Every part of my life. I love this scripture from Deuteronomy 14 verse 23. And it comes from the Living Bible. Look what it says. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. The principle of first, in other words, because that's what the tithe is, first. The principle of giving to God is for what? To teach us to always put God first in our lives. Notice it doesn't say in our finances. It says in our lives, period. In our marriages, in our devotions, in our thoughts. The principle is what? God must be First, period, everywhere. Well, how how can I do that? Let me break it down for you. And we're going to start out and work in. Give him the first of my year. I can give him the first of my year. And that's what we're really going to do for the next 21 days. We're going to corporately fast and pray. The word corporate means just together as a church. We're going to come together for 21 days and we're going to seek God and we're going to pray beginning tomorrow. We're going to pray first, God first. Before anything or before anyone, we're going to put God first. This is actually our 10th year as a church that we have done this corporately. So if it doesn't work, listen to me. We're not slow learners. We would have figured it out before now. It's not going to take us 11 years to figure out, oh, it doesn't work. Every year we see results. Every year we see breakthroughs. Every year we see God do wonderful miracles. And we see people change. We see our church absolutely change. And I believe it's perhaps one of the greatest ways to start your year. Your tithe, your principle of first. Saying, God, I want you first in my yeah. Now, notice I didn't say it was going to be easy, because remember, anything uphill is going to take effort. You put a car in neutral, it's not going to roll uphill. It's got to be in gear, it's got to be pushed, there's got to be a change of momentum to get it uphill. And so we've got to change sometimes the momentum of our life. And our goal is to help you through it. We want to help you because many have never fasted before. And, uh, and we've been giving you helps every day on social media, on our website. We, we want to help you and resource you. But really, there's three main types of fast. There's actually the absolute fast, but I've kind of thrown that out for this message because I don't recommend that. That's when you don't intake anything, food or water. And I just don't think that's a wise thing for anyone to do. So here's the three main fasts. And I want to break them down this way for the message. And that is a normal fast. I like that word normal, like fasting is normal, but it's like a complete fast. It's And what it is, is this, it's from all foods. It's a fast where you'll just take on water and perhaps juice or broth if needed for extra strength. But that's a juice or a water fast. Then there's a partial fast. A partial fast can be broken down in two areas. It can be from certain foods. For example, the Daniel fast where you fast breads, meats and sweets. So you stay away from those things and you just eat vegetables and salads and things like that. And there's a complete list on our website of foods that you can and cannot eat. So it can be certain things Certain foods. But then you can also do certain things. Like some people have told me that, you know, I'm not going to eat till lunchtime every day. And then I'm going to do Daniel fast for the rest of the day. But for the morning, I'm going to pray. Maybe eliminating a meal. Maybe eliminate like sodas or coffee or just something like that. That you will eliminate something that's important to you. But you want to say, God, you're more important. And I just want to focus. I want to give you the first of my year. Then there's the soul fast. I like this one. And the soul fast is when we guard what goes into our mind and into our emotions. It's when we turn off our phones, when we turn off social media, we turn off the TV, secular music, we turn off anything and everything that's not going to feed us God. And we allow instead our hearts to be fed as we get in the Word and we begin to pray. And I believe every one of us are capable of doing something within those fasts right there. And change it up. Maybe do a certain thing for two, three days and then do something for a day or whatever. Just do something. Yeah. Set out a plan. Set out a course. But remember this. Here's what fasting is. Fasting is refraining from something for a spiritual purpose. Right. Right. It's not starving yourself. You're not manipulating God through fasting. That's not why God's going to bless you because you're like starving yourself so God's going to come through and feel sorry for you. That's not how it works. Because fasting doesn't manipulate God. It doesn't move God, but it moves you. Yeah. It moves you to be more sensitive to God and to hear His voice. So I'm going to give God the first of my year. Let's go back one. We're going to give Him the first of my month. Can I talk about tithing for a few moments? Because this is what I really believe is important when it looks at The finances of my month. But it's more as well than just giving. It's your time and stuff to look at your calendar every month. Am I giving God the first? Does he have the priority? Is sports and everything else taking his place? I've said this so many times, but every year I'm, I'm not like, what am I doing on Sunday? I know what I'm doing every Sunday. Just want, Just know that. I know what I'm doing every 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock on Sunday. I'm not like, man, do we have anything on Sunday? Yeah, we do. And for the rest of my life, there's going to be something on Sunday. But given God the first of my month, tithe means one tenth. But it's not just a tenth, it's the first tenth. And Kelly and I have proven this because God tells us to put him to the test. But we have proven this, that 90% blessed goes a whole lot further than 100% unblessed. Malachi 3.10, God says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I want you to receive that blessing. I want God to pour out His blessing upon your life. I want the floodgates of heaven to open over your life for you to never be the same again. But you know one of the greatest tests that we have in our life is this, money. It's one of the greatest tests that we have. I've worked hard for it. It's mine. We want to take ownership over something that belongs to God in the first place. Because who gave you the abilities to work? Who gave you the brains to work? Who gave you the strength to work? It wasn't you. It wasn't your Wheaties that you ate in the morning. Because who gave the wheat to make the Wheaties? Everything that we have is by the way of God. So at the beginning of the month, at the beginning of the week, whenever I'm paid, God, you get the first portion. And here's the promise. Are you ready? When God gets the first portion, He redeems and He takes care Of the rest. Tithing gives God the opportunity to supernaturally bless your life. Your mortgage company doesn't offer you that. Your credit card company doesn't offer you that. But God does. God says, supernaturally, I can bless your life if you'll put me first in your giving. And as I was writing that down, I thought, you know what? Outside of salvation, that's perhaps one of the greatest promises that God has ever given us in His Word. Outside of being saved, that God will bless us beyond what we can imagine. That's an incredible promise. That's an incredible thing that I want to have in my life. So I'm going to give him first. Here's the next one. You ready? I'm going to give God the first of my week. First of my week. Sunday's the first day of the week. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to give God the first of my week. And I'm not just going to be in church. I'm going to be the church. What does that mean? I'm going to serve. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to worship and serve. I'm going to be on a dream team, living my dream, fulfilling what God has placed in my life, serving and meeting. Begin your week with God. You know, people argue about this. Well, the Sabbath is really Saturday. Yeah, it really is a Saturday. But I'm glad that they moved from the Sabbath for church to a Sunday because the Sabbath meant that we couldn't really worship God and do things because we weren't able to do anything. And so one of the main reasons, I believe, that they changed church to a Sunday is that we could truly give thanks and praise to God and live that life that He wants us to have. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not giving up our meeting together. That's church. As some are in the habit of doing, wrong habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You felt encouraged today? Have you felt strengthened today? And even the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, God says time is short and you better be in the house because it's really, really important. So make sure that you're starting your week off right. Being in the house. Here's a question for you. How different would your life be if you were here 52 times a year? I want you just think about that. How different would your life be if you were in church every Sunday? I'm telling you right now, if you can tell me no different, then you're a liar. Love you, but I'm just telling you the truth. You would have a lot less problems in your life if you were here every Sunday, giving God, oh, God's first in my life. Well, where have you been? Oh, I'm going through a lot right now. Oh, so you're going through it on your own. So you're taking control of your life. How's that going? Not doing good, are you? Because you're not looking good and you're not feeling good and you're kind of depressed and you're isolating yourself. It's a whole lot better to put God first and be in the house. Come on, we were taught when we were young, if we had a problem, we ran to the house. If we were sick, we ran to the house. We didn't run from the house. Your answer's in the house. Your healing's in the house. Your, man, I better stop. When I start preaching about church, I can't stop. Slow down, Pastor Philip. Come on, you okay today? So we're going to pray first. We're going to put God first. How do we do that? The first of our year, the first of our month, the first of our week, and the first of our day. Day, day. Give Him the first of your day. Give God the first thoughts and the first time of your day. Before you check your phone, check in with God. A lot of us in a habit just rolling over and checking what's happened on Facebook at night. Do you realize this? Checking here on what happened in Facebook overnight can actually ruin your day before it even begins. Because that's not preparing your day. that's destroying your day. When you're in the word and you're praying, you are preparing your day for perhaps things that are facing you because you don't deny those things. You may have to deal with those things, but now you're prepared to deal with those things instead of destroyed before you prepare. You've got to prepare. You've got to prepare. You've got to give God the first of your day. God's not asking for three hours. God's just asking for those moments. Before my feet hit the floor every day, I pray this prayer. God, anoint me, help me, strengthen me today. In everything I do, God, I pray that, God, I would give you glory. Just a simple prayer before I get my feet out of bed. And sometimes I say, watch out, hell, Philip's coming. Amen. Because that's the power and authority that we have in Jesus So give us the first, spend time with God. You can do it at any time, but there's something powerful about making Him first. And here's something that can help you. You ready? The first 15. Say with me first 15. I think every one of us could spend five minutes in the Word. I think every one of us could spend five minutes in worship, put on a worship song, and just worship along with God for five minutes. And then five minutes in prayer. I'm telling you, the first 15 will change your life. We've got daily devotions too that we put out every year that has a read your Bible in a year. We send those out every day. How many receives our daily devotions every day? Put your hand down. How many do not receive those? If you don't receive them, there's the email up there, Nancy at today. Email her and say, I need that. And we'll get that out to you because it's so powerful. The last two days have been absolutely awesome. It's been talking about some people cannot be helped. Anyone been reading that? And, and how you can't help someone who's making excuses. You can't help someone who blame God. Man, listen to this statement. I wrote it down. I was like, wow, you can never see God as your solution until you stop seeing him as your problem. A lot of people is blaming God for what's happening. He'll never be your solution while you're blaming him as your problem. And wow, man, you could have read that today. That's that's pretty good. And so you need to be involved in that U version. We've got that too. I'm telling you right now, U version is an incredible app that you need to avail in your life. You can do Bible readings. That's how I've read the Bible for the past many years. Just Bible plans that you can have every day. You can even set alerts that it reminds you, wakes you up in the morning with the plan. And it will read it to you even. So you can follow along and all the different translations and everything. And, and, and you can search devotionals. I encourage you through the fast. Go on if you version. if you're battling through depression. Search depression and, and you'll have devotions and scriptures and, and things for seven days, five days that will help you. I mean, there's so many tools that are available. But just put God first. I've got to end this message today. So put God first. Yes. Give God the first of everything. Step two. And step three, you ready? Expect God to bless the rest. you you got to begin to expect that God's going to bless you. Well, well, why is God going to bless me? Because if you put him first, God will bless you. Because when you put God first, we won't be living for our plan and our purpose. We'll be living for His. Because we can live self-centered, selfish lives. Have you realized how selfish our prayers can be many times? And how selfish our desires can be? But when we put God first, we're going to be God-centered in our life. And we're going to pray God-centered prayers. And we're going to do God-centered things. And guess what happens? God can bless that. Because the principle of first, God promises to multiply. Come on, He'll multiply your time. You put God first, He'll take the time that you thought you didn't have and He'll give you more of it. I don't know how He does that, but He does. You put God first in your finances, you'll have more to pay the bills. Come on, you put God first in your thoughts. Come on, you're going to be transformed with the knowledge and the wisdom that God wants to... Fill your life with bands you can come back. Last scripture today, Proverbs 3 6 through 10, says, In all your ways, submit to him. Put him first. Submit to his plan and purpose, and God will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear what? The Lord and shun evil, because this will bring health to your body. And nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. God first, Jesus first. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Why, Pastor? Here's the reason. You ready? First works. First works. Pray first works. God first in your life works. Make that the habit of success in your life. I've got to watch what I do first. What do I do first? God has to be first. God has to be first in everything. Then I can expect Him to bless my life. I can't force you, but I really encourage every one of you. 21 days. Make that commitment. As you leave today, and if you want to be a part of what we're doing, we've got some clipboards at the back. People are going to be standing there. And I'd love you to sign your name and say, man, I'm going to be a part of this fast for 21 days. Because I think it's good for us to be reminded, you know what, I made that commitment. And I, I just want to know how many people are making that commitment and just to pray for you. And then we've got a great new wristband for you. I just took last year's off this morning. It's beside my mirror in my bathroom. And I put on my new one for this year. Pray first is what it says Philippians 4 6. In everything with prayer. In everything by prayer. Pray first. And we just want you to have one of those. And you can just be reminded we've got two sizes large and small. And so you can just be in and be a part of the nightly devotions on Facebook. We're going to be coming out at nine o'clock. If some of you are doing a soul fast, then turn your phone off and just turn it on for 9 o'clock and then turn it off when we finish. And every night, starting tonight, I'm going to be coming with live devotions and others of our lead team are going to be coming because we've got a prayer focus every day that we want. Every week has been broken down and I'm going to talk about that tonight. But come on, surrender your life to God. Would you stand all over this place?